This is loudspeaker. Sometimes life takes very interesting twists and turns, and the career that we begin in our lives that we think we may stay in often becomes just a stepping stone for what really matters in our life and what opens up as truly the journey of our life, what becomes the career of our dreams. Tonight, my guest is musician, creator, and amazing human being, Steve Ertl, as he shares with us his journey, his insights, and wisdom gained from living a life of meaning. Welcome to The Spark. I'm your host, Stephanie James. I am so excited tonight to have my dear friend and collaborative creative, Steve Ertl. Great to have you in the studio tonight. Thanks for having me. It's always interesting having friends on the show because we have a a past. We have a history. I know you really well. And there's things about you that have just really, to say impressed me maybe isn't the right word, I guess touched my heart in knowing you and, and knowing your story. And one of the things that I would love if you shared with us is a little bit about how you went from your original career into music. So for those of you that know Steve, he's known in music as Stevie. And I just want to invite people to check him out on Spotify. Just some amazing, amazing music. So you did not go to school thinking you'd become a musician. I did not. I grew up loving music. My dad listened to a ton of yeah, old school country. He had a lot of old vinyls that he would put on a lot while he was working. And I grew up in the shop. He's a blue collar guy. He's got a plumbing, heating, electrical business. And so I grew up in the shop, like watching him fix stuff. And I was always fascinated by the tinkering that would happen in there. And so listening to music and he is a, my dad is an amazing whistler. That whole side of the family, for some reason, can whistle. and Love that. And I, I was trying, I think my first kind of initiation to music was trying to imitate his whistling and I couldn't do it. So I just did it with my voice. So I think that was the first time I probably ever chirped. And then, yeah, I just, I really grew up like loving to sing and kind of had a knack for it. And I did plays and stuff when I was a kid in elementary school, junior high. And I think at one point in middle school, I think a, a guy was trying to compliment me and tell me I had a good voice. I had a performance the night prior. I was doing some musical and he said, Hey, you're such a, I didn't realize you had such a beautiful voice. You sound like a, a girl. And that struck me in a negative way, obviously, when you're in seventh grade and you want to just mature and be a man like all your friends are and you want the facial hair and the leg hair and stuff. It was, <laughs> so it actually, it pushed me away from music. That one line made me step away and I, I quit choir. I, I stopped in seventh grade. I kind of put music, tucked it in my back pocket for until I got to college and I had a teammate who was a singer. I was a, I was a wrestler growing up and I wrestled in college and I had a teammate who was a singer and we were karaoke in one night and just having fun. And he's like, you can sing. And I'm like, yeah, you can sing. And we started a little band. And so that's kind of what reignited the flame of wanting to be more involved in music. And then after I graduated college, I taught myself guitar on YouTube. Thank God for the internet and, and YouTube. That innovation alone probably mixed with that 
that friendship, that random friendship of my teammate kind of put my foot in the door for music. But after college, I, I, I studied business and marketing and I was really drawn to like the advertising agency world and the, the sales and marketing aspect. And I loved being a competitive athlete. Like I love the aspect of you get what you put in, right? You get out what you put in. And so I thought sales was a really limitless way to excel, right? And in and, and the form of financial income, in the form of accolades and achievements and promotions. And so, yeah, I got into the bulk of my career was in healthcare, in medical device sales, disruptive biotech, healthcare tech, medical devices. That was really where I kind of sowed my roots. And I did that for, I had a solid like... 10 plus years in that, in that career and did the achievement game, being a type A competitive guy. Like I was always, always chasing the next thing, dollars, promotions, team achievements, whatever that is. I just always wanted more and more and more. And I think I, I, obviously the, the, the job, the career offered me a lot in the form of the life I'm living today. And, but it also offered a lot of stress and, and punishment in the form of self-punishment. And I think I was driving home from a surgery in Wyoming. I think it was, I was up in Casper, Wyoming and I was driving home. It was like 10 or 11 o'clock at night when I knew I had to get back to Fort Collins, and, which is a four plus hour drive away. And then I was going to be waking up at four the next morning to head to Western Nebraska. And I just had this revelation, I think, as I was passing through Cheyenne, the, the, there was a big winter storm watch coming in and horizontal snow. I couldn't see anything. I was white knuckling and I was just, I was scared. And, and also thinking about the next day, I'm like, gosh, this is just brutal. And I'd felt like, I think it was the first time where I, I marked the page where I thought, okay, well, I'm, I'm making really good money. I'm in a career that I'm passionate about, like I'm helping people. I'm in healthcare. I own some rental properties. My life is set, but I am not at all satiated and I'm not happy. And I think it was in that moment that I realized I needed to make some changes in my life. And the first change I made, I was working for a really large organization. I went to the startup world and I thought, okay, this will maybe this will freshen up. And I had a few kind of couple year runs at some different startups that were and two of the three were very, very successful, and that was great. But again, I just never really scratched that itch. So yeah, I think it was, it was, gosh, are we at three years now? Three years ago, I just, I was in a spot where it made sense to part ways with my company. Um, the boss I had had at the time was with a new manager, and him and I didn't really have similar modalities of leadership or similar visions. And I just, it was, it was time to unplug. And the timing was right. And I'm like, I talked to my, my finance guy and I'm like, can I afford to take three, six months sabbatical and just, just chill and just kind of reevaluate life and what I'm doing, what, what I want to be when I grow up sitting at 34 years old. And uh, he's like, yeah, man, you're good for, take a year. Like you're good. So don't stress about it. Just take your time. And I'm like, I think the first three months of quasi retirement for me were really tough. I'd wake up, I'd be in the shower, I'd hear my phone buzz and I'd have this like instantaneous reaction like, oh, that's that's a hospital, that's a doctor, that's I got to I got to get that and it was like it was this invisible burden that I didn't even know I had till I got out of it and didn't have those burdens anymore, but it, they carried with me for a few months. Like I had to like deprogram myself. And 
I think, yeah, I had a breakthrough one morning about three, three and a half months in. I'm like, I'm just, wh- what am I doing? Like, let me dive into my music. Like I've, I've kind of half, half-ass written these songs over the last 10 years while I was learning guitar. Like, let me see if I can make something of this and maybe, maybe cut an EP or cut an album or something. And right when I kind of surrendered or, or, or dove headfirst into the music, is when everything started to materialize. I was playing a, a gig locally in here in town at a restaurant and I had a producer drop his card in my in my uh, guitar case and I was like, hey, call me. I think we can do some special stuff together. And we ended up cutting two albums, nine songs over a couple years and just really dove headfirst into that world. And that is, yes, it's art and it's expressive and it's beautiful and it's uh, collaborative and creative, but... It's a humbling world as well. Anytime I would go play a bill, a show, and I'm the opening actor, the it's just you see the headliner go on, and you're like, "Oh wow, I am not good," <laughs> you know, <laughs> or I'm, I've got a long ways to go. So it's like it's beautiful in that way. There's always something to achieve and strive for, and I think even the best of the best, probably the Taylor Swifts and Justin Bieber's of the world. I mean, I'm sure even they have moments where they're like they're humbled by their fellow artists and they're like, wow, I, I can't do that. I can't play an instrument like that. I can't hit those notes like that. I can't do those runs, those falsettos. So I just, I think it was, yeah, just, just a really important transition for me to pursue my passions and whether music is my full-time gig for the rest of my life, I don't know, but it's been a more significant part the last few years and it's opened up a lot of internal gateways and external doors for me. Yeah, you know, that was one of the questions I wanted to ask you about is you said you were aware at that point that you're driving through this snowstorm in Cheyenne, like, I'm not happy. This isn't what I want to be doing in my life. As you've moved into these last three years, what have you noticed internally? How are things different for you now? Uh, The best way I describe this to friends is and family is like I just have it's the most at peace I've ever been in my life and I think that's yeah it's just an internal peace it's a knowingness and a a trust that everything's going to be okay and going to work out it it always has because I put in the the work and the effort and I'm good enough and I just I just try to show up for myself every day that's the mission every day is like just show up and what can I how can I maximize the day Well, and so how is that for you? I mean, so now this has become your job. This has become your career. What's a typical day in the life of Steve Ertl? Yeah, it tends to change (laughs) month to month. We're we're currently sitting in pandemic mode. So obviously music gigs are down. And I think I've played maybe three gigs total, three or four gigs total since February, since middle of February. Wow. So last year I played over 100 gigs shows the year prior i played north of 8590 and so this has been a interesting pause but i think an important pause not just for me but the globe so yeah day in the life of is it depends some days i'm it's it's writing it's creative other days i I still do some business consulting and stuff and so it'll be it'll be work traditional work i guess you'd call it but i don't know that's what i love about it i don't know necessarily I've got a calendar and I've got some like an outline of the week, but there's not a ton of structure, which is very strange for me being type A, recovering perfectionist mindset to surrender to this life that is not so structured. And, and also coming from a sport, I started wrestling when I was four years old 
And that is a sport that demands schedule and accountability and showing up early and doing the work behind the scenes when no one's looking, if you want to be any good. And so I still, I, I love that I have that, that kind of DNA, that, that fabric woven inside of me, but that balanced in a more healthy way with like, okay, I don't have to have A through Z planned. Like I can have A and, and H and, and R and Z in place or, or as placeholders or as an outline, but how I get between those points is can be fun and flexible. So I want to rewind just a little bit because I think it's so poignant and and worth bringing up again. I'm sure you've heard me say this, like nobody gets out of childhood unscathed. Mm. And and so we all get these messages, like you got this message about how you were singing and that changed your life at that moment. Yeah. And I, I, that's a moment in my life that I regret. I wish I would have stayed in music. I wish I would have furthered my music theory. That's something I don't have as a musician and that I admire in other musicians. Like everything I have is self-taught. I've, I, I haven't taken vocal lessons or anything. It's literally like hashing stuff out, listening to my dad's records or watching YouTube videos and learning how to, how to finger a guitar and, and finger pick and strum. And so I, I, I don't have like any classical training and I, I do wish I would have, st- I, I wish that comment wouldn't have happened or I wish I would have had more security in that moment as a seventh grader to be like, I think I'm pretty sure that was a compliment instead of honing in on the one little insy bit he probably didn't even intend as a, as a, as a nig, but that's how it came off to me. And that's what I focused on. And, and really it's, it's, if I, if I'm being honest and reflecting backwards, it's kind of how I was wired for the first 30 years of my life. Anyway, I would, I, I was really good at honing in on the negative and magnifying that. And in many ways it served me, right? It helped me continuously get better and, and continuously want to achieve. But the, there's a downside. The downside to that is this intense seeking of perfectionism, which is impossible. And and now I hear that word perfectionism and it's like such a turnoff. Like I've kind of swung 180 degrees. I'm like, oh, why was I ever seeking? Perfect doesn't exist. It's not, it's boring. It's stale. Like who wants perfect? Like all the beauties in the imperfection. So. Yeah. I mean, and I think that comes with wisdom, right? That comes yep. with life experience. And I think when we have some belief that maybe something's wrong with us or we're not good enough, then we start striving for that unbelievable, unattainable level of perfection. I mean, and and I'm saying that as a recovering perfectionist as well. I get it. Yeah, it's real. It's, it's something I still deal with. It's always going to be a part of me. And, and I'm just trying to figure out how to leverage it as a tool and transition away from what I believe it served as a, as a crutch for a really long time. And now I want to wield it in a more positive format. Well, and I really believe that's possible. And I'm, I'm wondering for you, what does that look like when you're wielding it now as a positive? Because I do know sometimes when we have maybe a critical eye or we're really striving for excellence mm-hmm. in what we do, that's not a negative thing. Like we're not going for perfection, but like we're leveling up, right? Yes. So we're like, it's like, how can I become 
the next incarnation of me? How can I evolve to this next level? Yeah, in a, in a way, I, I view it kind of as seeking mastery, right? Seeking mastery of this human experience and trying to level up as high as I can in this experience, but also not get so caught up on the destination markers and the levels of achievement, like sitting in the journey and, and really feeling the journey, which is something I didn't start doing until I was 30 years old. I, I feel like I'm glory dazing here, but like I, I, when I won a state title in high school, my celebration this is another regret in my life. I clapped my hands twice and walked off the mat. Like it, there was no soaking up of that moment. It's like, okay, checked it off. Good. I'm going to be, I'm going to look cool, be really humble about this. Like I really don't care. And meanwhile, 90% of the other kids out there that were winning state titles were doing cartwheels and backflips, like jumping in their coach's arms. And mine was just business, you know, mm. it was a business trip. And there's some good things to that, but also it's like, come on, man, you're, you're 17, 18 years old, like enjoy the moment, like celebrate a little bit. But that was, that was really a consistent issue in my life was like, okay, check the box. What's next? What's the next carrot? What's the next carrot? And that achiever mindset, which to your point is, is it can be a beautiful thing, but it's got to be balanced with keeping a foot on the path of the, of the journey. Like what's, okay, what's going on? Let's stop and smell the roses. Right. It's somehow finding that balance between striving or like we're talking about evolving to the next level and being in the present moment. Yeah. Really like, yep. like I, I think of, I think it's a Wordsworth poem that talks about sucking the marrow basically from the bone of life. Right. And it's mm. just like, I want to be in this moment and get every richness out that I can. And I miss it. If I don't let myself celebrate, if I don't let myself be in that like spontaneous joy that arises and instead I'm like, okay, what's next? Because some of that too reminds me of when we think our happiness is outside of us. Yeah. Right? Yeah. All the, and the answers are outside of us. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that creates that constant striving. Yeah. And I think that's probably what's kind of added to my wisdom and added to the, the peace I have. I feel you know, more at peace than I've ever felt. I think it's understanding those concepts that the answers are within. Like I've, I've been seeking outwardly for, for the answers and the happiness and the, the pats on the back my whole life. And the whole time they're sitting inside. I just had to find the key to unlock the box. And really that's what's, it's not just about indulging in, and for me at least, it's not about just indulging in the positive moments either now. Like for me, the, the shift this year Something I do every year, right? Be, January 1, people make resolutions. Mine is now I, I make myself do a reflection of the previous year just so I can give myself some credit for what I've achieved or accomplished over the last year. So the previous year, it was I released a new album. I got some PR exposure. A lot of it was around music. I played 100 plus shows. I did a Midwest tour. So I was just giving myself some credit for what I accomplished in 365 days. And then looking forward, as opposed to a resolution, I like to kind of establish like a mantra or a kind of a macro goal for the year. And my mantra for 2020 was co-creation and co more, more co-creation and collaboration with fellow artists, with people outside of music. And I got that for a couple months until COVID sunk in. And part of the journey, I think my last gig was February 15th before all gigs kind of got frozen. And I had a couple of weeks where I was not really playing music. I was just kind of taking it easy. And I had this kind of epiphany one night that 
kind of what we were talking about along the journey of life, soaking in the good stuff. But I'm like, what about the other half of that equation? We, we're, we've got a human spectrum of emotions and feelings and experiences here. And it's not just good stuff. Right. That's, that's, the, that's one side of it. And the other side of that spectrum is the uncomfortable stuff, sadness and darkness and depression and anxiety. And, and I was like, what about, why, why don't I make that space my playground? Like, why, why can't I soak, soak in those moments too and, and find the little specks of light in that darkness and, or accept the darkness for what it is? Like, it's a really important thing. It gives me perspective on how great it is when everything's working really well and I'm feeling really good about life. So that was, I would say, late February is kind of my mission. I even posted it on my Instagram story. I'm like, what? I'm, this is my personal mission during this. Like we have this downtime. Here's how I'm going to maximize it. I'm going to lean into all the nooks and crannies and crevices of the, the quote unquote negative half of the human emotions. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and, and I posted that and stuff started just coming to me. It was amazing how quickly I manifested that. I mean, the relationship I'm in now is, you know, full of beautiful moments and ex- explorative experiences and it's full of tough stuff. And I think in my former relationships and at younger age, I would run from that stuff or avoid that stuff or just try to get back to the good stuff. Like, hey, how do we bounce back to the good stuff? Let's just get past this. And you start sweet sweeping stuff under the rug. And this this experience for me has been really cool because we're just, we're both committed to diving in and really peeling back the rug and looking at all the dirt that's swept under and just surrendering to each other in the form of trust, in the form of honesty. So it's been a really beautiful yeah. experience so far. 2020 is very wonky and weird, but it's, I, I, I believe it's, it's very necessary. It's very important for all of us and it's, it's rare that we'll we probably never get this chance again in our lifetime where the whole world kind of freezes and the noise goes away and you're faced with your own demons or your own whatever vices. Yeah. And you got to face them head on and have conversations about them internally, externally. And yeah, I think that's a really cool thing to experience in this lifetime. From our conversations, I mean, I deeply resonate with what you're saying I feel like this time in the world, it's the only time where everyone in the world is experiencing the same sense of loss and the same sense of like, wow, we really are all in this together. Yeah. Uncertainty. Yeah. Uncertainty and people not being able to be with loved ones or feeling just lonely and distant from one another in a way that's been really foreign. And so it's kind of like when this would happen to maybe one country. We'd go like, oh, I feel really sorry for you. And then maybe 30 days later, we didn't think of it again. Yeah. But there, there's no there's no denying what's happening. And it's happening all over the world. So there really is this amazing sense of connection. And I really want to emphasize what you're talking about because I just feel like, man, I resonate with that so deeply. And it's something I talk about in my office as a therapist every day is this thing of embracing the totality of our human experience. Mm. I quote often, and I think I've shared it with you, that poem from Rumi, which talks about the guest house, 
I love that poem. And what really that poem, the essence of it, and I've shared it on the show before, but why I love that poem is it's like, it doesn't matter what shows up for us today. It doesn't matter if it's a meanness or depression, whatever it is that shows up, it's like, welcome it at the door. Mm -hmm. And I think that's exactly it. As we befriend our emotions and our experience, we develop a really deepening sense of peace that we haven't had before. And we are being forced this shut in that we've all experienced is really to be able to be shut within, Mm. if you will. It's an opportunity to really go within and look at these things. And I love what you're saying because it doesn't have to be a negative. It's not good or bad. It just is. And one of the things to share with you too, one of my real awarenesses around this during this time is even though I'm a therapist and I encourage people to be with all their emotions, it was almost like if I got triggered by something, I was like, I shouldn't be triggered. I would almost shame myself. Like you shouldn't be triggered. You should be fine. And so what's been really awesome, I feel like in this last year for me, what I've really started to befriend is that part of me that I will get triggered because we all will, right? Forever. There's something that's going to rub up against a little raw spot or a wound within us. And the difference is I feel the hit of it and the angst and then the secondary awareness and consciousness that comes up is, thank God I'm feeling this. What a beautiful opportunity now to heal this wound that's been subconscious or unconscious and how it's presenting itself so I can heal it. I'm not quite as evolved as you, I think. That's not the first hit I get. That's the hit that maybe the second or third hit. But for me, when I, when I get the trigger aspect, which to your point, we're all going to have for yeah. in perpetuity, right? And that's just part of the human experience and we all have traumas. For me now, it's about when I feel it, I feel the angst, I feel the tension. Now I try to locate where the tension is in my body. That's my first step. Like, is it my chest? Is it my heart, my gut, my head? And then I start asking questions like, hmm, this is interesting. Why or where mm-hmm. or what is this connected to? And I start doing this. I have an analytical mind, right? So I kind of, I I just want to understand how things work. And I think this is part of like growing up in a shop with my dad and tinkering with things and taking things apart and seeing how and why they work. And like, I've always been that way. I got to understand the how and why for it to really make sense to me. I never enjoyed the strategy of like memorizing multiplication tables. Like I, 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 memorization for me, I'm like, if I'm in a spot, what if I can't remember something? But if I know how it works and how it functions and the why, I can instead of memorizing four times four is 16, I know that that actually means four, four times over. So I can start adding. That's a stupid example, but yeah. No, I get it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's asking like, okay, what does this mean? What is this connected to? Why is this here? And then maybe my second or third hit, once I answer those questions, is like, ah, I'm so glad that came to the surface. Like I have this new epiphany or this new direction or this new it's like you said, it's, it's these things that come having a relationship with them instead of pushing them away and being like, no, not now. I don't want you here. No, you're scary. It's like, what's up? What's up, bud? Yeah. Let's, let's like, I disagree with you. You disagree with me, but let's, let's come to some sort let's find some common ground and understand why you're here.
Feminist Hot Dog is back with a new season packed with awesome interviews with icons, artists, innovators, authors, and lots of surprises. Whether you consider yourself a hardcore feminist or you're feeling feminist curious, tune in Wednesday nights at 8 Mountain and get all the information and inspiration you need to live your best feminist life. Listen Wednesdays on Loudspeaker and Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, love yourself and love your buns. I want to really just acknowledge that beautiful process that you're in. And I do think that is the important piece. Tara Brock, who's a Buddhist and and just a beautiful soul who's got all these wonderful books out and she's a speaker. One of the things she talks about is this acronym called RAIN. (laughs) And it's it's a way for us to be with that uncomfortable stuff that comes up. And so we know right now in our world, there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of anxiety. And the importance of when that hit comes up that you're talking about, the R in RAIN is recognize. Mm. So that's an acronym for how we deal with what comes up, right? So the R is recognize that you're even feeling it. A lot of times, just like you're saying, we try to push it down. It's it's like we don't want to feel it. And what we resist persists. Mm-hmm. And I always think it's going to come up with a vengeance later, right? If, yeah. we, if we don't deal with yeah. it. So the first thing is exactly what you said. Recognize it's going on. Notice where it's at in your body. The A of RAIN is the hardest for people. It's allow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you actually breathe in to wherever it's at. Instead of going, I'm not going to feel this. I'm not going to deal with this. It's like, here it is. Man, my, my chest is so tight or my throat is just like clenched and I'm just... So first of all, so then you allow the I is investigate. And that's exactly what you were saying. Like, what's up? What is this? What is this connected to? And as you allow that process, what's super interesting, even breathing into the tightness or the pain, wherever that's in your body, it starts to dissipate and open. You're going to start finding that you have room around it. And so the end in rain is then you return to natural presence. Mm. You can you know, breathe out of the hook or the trance that you just got yourself into. And you bring yourself back to, I mean, part of that maybe analyzation is, am I worrying about something that I have no control over in the future? I need to bring myself, natural presence is this moment, right? And if I'm like beating the crap out of myself or something that happened in the past, I have no power over that. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, I can understand what this trigger is about. I can understand what it comes from. And <sighs> I'm here. I'm going to reground myself and because I did not just ignore those feelings and instead befriended them, I'm not carrying them around like dis-ease in my body, which we know, you know, eventually creates disease. No, that's so, that's great. I've never heard the RAIN acronym, but that's, that resonated because that's precisely what I do. That's so cool. Yeah. And I think, I think breathing into where you're feeling that tension is really important too, because that's kind of a meditative practice, right? It's it's coming back to center, to presence, to acknowledgement of what's here, and then putting a lot of intention and and just fresh, clean air to that area of pressure. And it's amazing when we do that, how it dissipates and how we understand things that we didn't necessarily understand before. 
Yeah. That's a beautiful, I like that acronym. Awesome. Yeah. Well, and thank you for sharing the part of your relationship. It's been really cool as a friend of yours to watch you on this journey mm-hmm. and watching you grow. And I know that that's the reality for all of us is that love brings up anything unlike itself to be healed. So it's like, yeah, when we really find that person that we love and we connect with, and I'm in that relationship as well right now, it's it's such a beautiful thing. It's like, it's such an amazing opportunity to grow and heal. And so it's okay if it gets messy. Yeah. Yeah. And also surrendering control of the uncontrollables. And that's an important part of this relationship and something I did not do well before this relationship. And again, I think this relationship came along at an important time in my life at a very important time in the world. And it's allowing me to experience exactly what I asked for at the beginning of the year. Good, bad, ugly, everything in between. And we're just, I'm just very grateful to have somebody that wants to jump in it with me and, and evolve and level up. But yeah, I think that for me, the, the hardest part in my life has always been trying to control everything and not understanding where the line of surrender is like, okay, this is beyond me. And so a lot of your commentary earlier about when I'm processing these things, okay, is this within my control? Am I worrying forward or worrying backward? I would do that all the time. When I was in my healthcare career, I would beat myself up till I get home from that drive from Casper, Wyoming at midnight. And I would beat myself up on how I failed till two or three in the morning, only to wake up an hour and a half later and get back on the road and do it all over. And so I didn't sleep well. Wow. I think I was really irritable, not just because of lack of sleep, but I just, I had, I was irritable. I had short patience and not a lot of grace for myself or other people. I was hyper efficient. I'm still hyper efficient, but I was hyper efficient in a, in a negative context because I was just, I was missing all the good stuff in between all the juicy stuff. I was looking past it and always looking for the next carrot. So how cool to dive in and be in it now. Like you said, even if it's messy, even if it's whatever, I imagine you're sleeping better. I'm sleeping so much better. (laughs) I'm suddenly a good sleeper. I love that. I mean, 34 (laughs) years of terrible sleep and stress and anxiety and self-deprecation to now it's like, it's just, it's peace and it's not perfect and of it's course. not easy every night, but yeah. it's, yeah, it just, it feels good to have I've <laughs> the, the interesting kind of, what's the word I'm looking for here? Dichotomy is that I gained the most control when I surrendered. Yeah. When I finally surrendered, it's like, okay, I got to stop worrying about everything and trying to control everything in my life. It's given me the most control in my life because I know how to field things. I know how to feel the bad stuff and the tough stuff and establish a relationship with it and not just run, not just avoid. So so beautiful. I mean, I'm over here just feeling you because <laughs> that's been one of the biggest teachers in my life as well. This lesson of really surrendering to life and that when we stop trying to control everything, that it's like we can just relax and we tap into this flow that is unbelievable that is not accessible when we're trying to grasp and we're desperate for this sense of control and this has got to happen and this has got to happen. And inevitably it doesn't happen that way. Yeah. It just made me flash back to like in junior high, my mom was a, she, she got into rock climbing for a bit. So she would take my brother and I to the rock climbing gym and I was a terrible rock climber because I was, I was, I was a 
strong little kid. I could do, gosh, I think in like you do those presidential tests, I could do like 55 pull-ups in a row or something crazy. So I had a lot of upper body strength, but climbing is not about upper body strength. It's about technique and feeling the wall. And I'm on junior high, just doing what I know how to do. And that's muscle my way up. So 50 pulls with my arm and I'm exhausted and I'm scared of heights. And I'm looking down and I'm not even like a third of the way up the wall. So I was a terrible climber. And for some reason, whatever you just said brought me back to that imagery of like, just trying to muscle your way through life mm. instead of just, or another analogy would be like fighting upstream, just constantly paddling upstream God, yeah, and thinking that's the right path because it's hard. And maybe that's an American culture thing. Maybe that's a Western culture thing. Certainly you got to work, hard work and work ethic are, that's, those are table stakes. Mm -hmm. You got to put in that stuff, but just to constantly muscle your way through life and fight up, up the current as opposed to just turning around and sitting on your butt and just flowing. Yeah. Just letting it come to you and navigating as you go. And that, that surrender gives you all the control in the world because now you're not af afraid of the uncertainty that's going to come. That's what I've realized. Like, I'm not afraid of whether it's a romantic relationship, a friendship, a business opportunity, where I used to be afraid of that no in sales. It's like, now no is, no is okay. Like, it's here for a reason. I can have a conversation with that within myself as opposed to just, like, go home and melt down and beat myself up all night. That's really it, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and to be able to trust in that flow. I mean, I think that's a part of the surrender, too, is trust that, and you do have all the tools inside of you that you are going to be able to navigate the rapids that show up, and you don't have to fear them. So I think that's, yeah, that's another powerful piece of that analogy. Yeah, yeah and to, to kind of take it one step further, it's also about practice. Like, you can't just, it, this wasn't a one-time thing where I'm like, oh, I surrender now. It was tens tens, hundreds of times of like saying, what, I'm going to surrender this. I'm going to surrender this and practice, practice, practice. It's like for me being an athlete, it's technique, right? And you're practicing your technique and you're feeling more and more confident about it. You're like, wait, this is working. Wait, I'm getting better at this. Wait, yeah. this is coming to me easier. And then I don't think you ever reach the breakthrough of like all knowingness and perfection or anything like that. Of course, this is a journey. Right, right. right. But yeah, just, just the practice of it, I think is important too. Absolutely. I think that's one of the things I talk to my clients a lot about too, whether it's changing a behavior or a thought pattern or like this, like learning how to surrender. It's not a light switch. You don't just flip it and like life is fantastic. It's repetition. It's repetition. It's practice. Mm -hmm. And I, I always liken it to building a muscle. Mm. So you do repetitions. Yep. Right. And, and over and over again, we start rewiring and recoding how this stuff is held in our mind, in our bodies. And that's what I love about this conversation. I think in essence, it's like we really can change our lives. And I look at your journey as part of evidence of that. Yeah. We all have the ability to do this. The, the things that aren't working, the things that don't feel in flow, we have the ability to say, okay, what are the steps I need to take? What are the places that I need to just open up to, to be willing to look at? and explore to help me go to that next level where I can start really being in light and feeling into this moment, whatever is here. Present. Just be present. Yeah. I, I think you and I use a lot of similar analogies, but like different parts of the analogy, like you're talking being in the gym and building a muscle, it takes repetition. I use the gym analogy a lot, but I use it on the, the reverse side. It's like 
you, you do the practice and the repetition in the gym. But I said, I always tell friends who are in spot, I, I tend to be like, I have these, this amazing kind of web of friendships that serve different purposes, probably like all of us, but like some of them are very deep conversations and they're like, oh, I'm struggling with this or work or love or whatever it is. And I always use the gym analogy, like you do the work in the gym, but really the, the growth happens when you're resting, when you're at home sleeping, that's when the rebuilding happens. And so to not get caught up in this American Western, like hustle, 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 yeah, hustle, hustle. Yeah. That's the answer. Hustle, hustle, hustle. It's like, no, all the growth happens in the quiet, in the dark when you're resting in the recovery that's where the muscles grow repetition is necessary the practice is necessary the technique is necessary but the growth happens in the space well and that reminds me it's just been a little over a year ago that we were at the spark summit and stevie performed there <laughs> it was an amazing event where we had 11 different presenters and myself really bring this amazing event of just love and connection and alchemy that really took place and really helping people to ignite the sparks within them to look exactly some of the things we've been talking about. Look at some of the pain, look at some of these other places and how we utilize those challenges, those difficulties we've faced as match points that ignite something within us that then become a gift we can share mm. with others or with the world like, like you're sharing with your friends. We've heard this saying million times but it's like we are human beings mm. not human doings yeah and so to really you know get to that place where yeah again it's both and right it's it's finding that balance of doing putting forth the effort and then it's it, it would be like it also what what makes sense to me when you're saying that it's like if i planted a whole bunch of seeds and then every couple of days i keep digging them up to go is it growing yeah. is it growing is it growing yeah it's like it's like I, yeah I, I need to not be constantly doing some work and like fertilizing it and hoeing it and doing all these things or i ruin it so it's like give it give it time to grow yeah you trust the work that you put in yeah and the work you put in was digging the trench and and dropping the seed and burying the seed and now you just got to let it germinate. My my parents still talk about the Spark Summit. I think I forwarded you a text from my mom the other night and she's like that's that changed my life and mm. I still reflect on some of those talk tracks. For me, you know, one of the the talk track that resonated most with me was from Misa Hopkins. It was right before I was going to perform the song Eons that I'll play for you later, but her whole talk about the yin and the yang and the the feminine energy and the, the dark cold energy that is a part of that and how important it is it it was interesting because i'm 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 fascinated by misa anyway as a human and then this talk track was like so in line with why i wrote this song and it gave a new meaning to the song right before i was about to perform it and so when i performed it at the spark summit it, it this is gonna sound cheesy but it felt like it, i was playing it for the first time it was a totally different performance experience i mean that was the first time i've ever performed it publicly anyway yeah i kind of wrote it with the spark summit in mind and you in mind and the thought of the kind of, a, of finding the light in the dark was just expounded when misa gave her talk and i i thought you set that up i thought that was no strategic. no i mean and people lost their minds i mean there were so many People that said, oh, my God, I could not believe because Misa's talk was 
so impactive. And then mm-hmm. you followed up with that and your music drove it home. Yeah. It was just, it, it was phenomenal. And such a cool experience having you be a part of all of that. And loved Stevie also performed the night before when we had a really special dinner with all the presenters and just awesome to have your energy there and to have you be a part of all of it. And really exciting that we're getting ready for the film to be released. No, I feel honored to be a part of any and all of this stuff with you and just like the co-creation and the artistic collaboration we've had over the last two years plus has just been a beautiful unraveling. And I just feel really, really grateful. And I'm glad that I can help and just contribute. Those are like kind of my meanings of life now when I wake up. It's like, I just want to... I want to impact, I want to influence, I want to inspire people and I want to, I want to elevate, I want to elevate myself. I want to elevate people around me. And I fail a lot at doing that for myself and others, especially with all the political warfare that's going on and the tough stuff with COVID. I'm still human and I'm, I'm, I post things on Facebook. I shouldn't post out of anger or being upset or wanting to protect my underrepresented, underrespected brothers and sisters. But the main goal, the main mission is to to elevate. Well, and that's one of the things I love about you, Stevie, is that ever since I've known you, you show up real. And I, I just think it's so awesome because you're willing to share your heart that comes through your music. It comes through you as a friend. And I mean, I just, I have treasured our friendship and the amazing talks and yeah, collaborative creative stuff that we've shared. I just really, really thankful for that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I got to, I got to give the people in my life like you credit for helping reinforce that that's a good thing, right? Because I spent first 30 years of my life not doing that, wearing a guise of everything's good. It's the duck on sitting on the water. Everything's good and calm on the surface and below the surface, the feet are paddling a million, yeah, million strokes a minute. And life is tough when you're doing that, when you're hiding all that stuff. It's it's It takes a lot of work and a lot of wasted energy to just create this facade that you're everything's going well and perfect in your life and I wouldn't really lean into friendships and I think that's something you challenge me on it's like hey how do you feel when your friends lean on you how does that make you feel and I'm like it makes me feel really full and good like that I could help and make an impact and give them some direction and that they walked away feeling good and you're like well don't you think they feel the same way if you you did that for them it's a gift and just that little reframe from you it's like the mindset of oh yeah Leaning on people is important because it's it's a gift to share with them. It's an opportunity for them to like give and contribute. And at the end of the day, we're just we're animals. I know we've got all this technology and we're talking into mics and we've got social media and cell phones and all this fancy stuff, but we're still animals and like the things I find the things that make me the most happy are the free stuff that I can do at will. And it's usually contribution or just giving. It makes me feel really good. It's awesome. So connections where it's at and and moving forward. Before we hear your song, what's on the horizon for you right now? Well, most most excited about your film and me having a, a song placement in it or two potentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, as far as music, I've kind of just it's it's just been on pause as far as performance. Getting into the studio, I've done a little bit of studio work, but writing my my music page, Instagram's kind of my main media, 
and it's connected to my Facebook, but like um, my music page is basically transformed into like social justice. And so I've lost a lot of followers. I think I've lost almost 800 followers since February, just based off what I post. And my mindset is that's okay. I'm excited for the the new ones that come. And yeah. And yeah, so I haven't really dedicated a ton of energy to music and the performance aspect, but I've just, I've been doing a lot of writing and social justice writing and, and creative writing. And yeah. so I'm just like, it's here. Let me make the most out of it. Like just embrace it. Yeah. And I've been, tra- I've been traveling and spending a lot of time with loved ones and kind of my pod of people to keep it safe. I don't have anything to plug. I mean, if you want to listen to my music, I, it's steviemusic.com. Stevie spelled S-T-E-V-E-Y. And it is, I mean, some of your songs are, talk about giving people the feels. Mm. Your music speaks, and not just because you're my friend. Mm. It does. Speaks to my heart, man. And I, wow. Appreciate it. So let's let's hear Eons. This is the song that Stevie wrote for the summit. And just super excited to share it with our audience. Empty places Hidden spaces Lonely, cold, and weightless In between stars Even though they're far apart This void's been here for ages Chase the light 
light inside the dark It's been eons of finding home Eons since I let go of trying to control a restless heart Just let go Just let go so happy that I could share this music with you all tonight. Having Stevie perform that, it's it's really an emotional thing for me. Um, just loved this interview for so many reasons. One of the biggest takeaways for me was how important it is that we embrace this journey that we're on, whether it's really just embracing our emotional experience whether it's just really embracing that this is what's here right now. Let's be in this moment, whether it's a messy moment, whether it's a moment of clarity, that each step on the journey is an essential step. And so even if you feel like right now you're not in your perfect career or things around you or your circumstances aren't ideal, these are just stepping stones to what is going to be the next evolution in your life. And so nothing is wasted. And as we continue to open to what shows up in our lives, we can transcend that. We actually befriend the moment. We befriend what emotions show up, the circumstances in our life. And as Stevie and I talked about, through surrendering to what's here, I think that's what then creates this amazing flow in our lives. We're no longer, as Stevie said, swimming upstream, swimming against the current. You know, we can make life so much harder on ourselves than it actually is. So there's something really beautiful to this whole theme of this creative flow. And sometimes the creative flow comes to us in a career, in music, in love, in relationship. And so I just invite you to let go and ride the current and know and trust you can navigate whatever rapids whatever big boulders come into your way and just to even more deeply dive into the flow of life remember the spark is your show too if you have questions feedback on the show or if you're going through something and need a little help we'd love to hear from you continue the conversation with us at our website thesparkpod.com and on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. New episodes of The Spark air Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Mountain. To make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The show is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional and should not be considered medical advice. 
If you're having a mental or physical health crisis, please seek treatment immediately. The Spark is produced by NOCO Media Limited, which is solely responsible for its content. Thanks again for listening. This has been The Spark, igniting your best life. I'm Stephanie James. This is Loudspeaker.